dust, but whatever it is, we don't have to shovel it. So would you stand with us, please, singing Praise Him, Praise Him. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noon. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus when the sun goes down. Love Him, love Him, love Him in the morning, love Him in the noontime. Love Him, love Him, love Him when the sun goes down. Praise Him, praise Him. Praise Him in the morning, praise Him in the noontime. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him when the sun goes down. Serve Him, serve Him, serve Him in the morning, serve Him in the noontime. Serve Him, serve Him, serve Him when the sun goes Down at the cross where my Savior died Down where for cleansing from sin I cried There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to His name There to my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name I am so wondrous from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within. There at the cross where he me. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of life. Glory to his name. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood of Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for that salvation, for saving our soul. Be with each one that's with us today. Be with the people that are traveling. Be with our first responders. Be with Jeremiah as he leaves us as a message today. And be with the ones that are hurting. 
We ask it, Lord, and all in Jesus' name. And we say amen. Yay! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Seventeen kids in Sunday school. Seventeen kids in Sunday school. Without including the teenagers. Some of the parents are here too. Oh, that's good. Yeah. There's a couple of them. All right. Is doing well this morning? Everyone's doing well? Yeah? Well, if you're not, you shouldn't be here. What's wrong with you? I mean, yeah. You're sick. Get out. Uh, have a birthday. Steven has his ribbon on. Right. Yay. There's somebody over here. Robert. Oh. Robert Howell. You sit down. This is about Robert now. Hey, God bless you. Happy birthday. Wife's treating you good? Give me that thing back. Get <laughs> well, God bless you next week. Yeah, travel safe. Yeah, well, this week, I guess. Yeah, well, God bless you. May your wife treat you really well this week. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. yeah that's what all right, how about anniversaries? Anyone celebrating the anniversary? I'm happy. Happy birthday. <laughs> Tattletale. So... Jim actually shares a birthday with my daughter, Navi. And so she had her 10th birthday this week. So we already sung to her. She doesn't get away. Yeah, if you want to give her a present, don't. Because we have too much stuff in the house. Okay? Too much stuff. So. Thanks nothing. a lot, Dad. Huh? Um, all right. Um, but so also, um, I don't have Tony. Tony, um, he's a guy that usually sits in the back and he always waves me down to say, hey, um, we need to recognize new people or people back for the first time um, but he's been in uh, he was in the hospital he's now he's in rehab um, but he's coming home the 12th 11th he's coming home 11th so this coming Saturday so um, but he always so I I try to remember for some reason you just now arrived in courtside um, somewhere you know I escaped first name all right so oh, oh now they're okay well, hey <laughs> <laughs> um, in the summertime, just a night of worship, and all we're going to do, we have a little booklet for songs you can pick out that we'll, we can sing, but the purpose is, a lot of times when we're in a Sunday morning service, it can feel very um, restrained and very, uh, you throw out there? Um, um, but as you'll, as most of you know, we're very doing this just so we could be more, um, we could have testimonies. If you want to share a song, if you want to share a testimony, we've had people share um, poems they've written, poems they've read. Uh, it's just a nice uh, uh, a night of just 
of worship, you know. And so if you want to come, it's 6 o'clock, um, and we just last until um, we get tired. So um, usually about 7, because that's, <laughs> that's when we get tired. Comes so, with the age. Yeah. Did he say how old I was? I am I am one year closer to heaven. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay, announcements are uh, tops meets on Tuesdays in the fellowship hall over there at 7 a.m. and by apologetics 6 p.m. in that classroom. Anybody and uh, check it out. Quilting group on Thursday, I think. <laughs> Nobody will. Yeah, okay. Bible study, <laughs> Bible study in Rainbow Acres at 10 a.m. on Thursdays. Uh, if you want to go, give me a call and I'll show you how to get out, or tell you how to get out there. Friday, Teen Rec Night. Uh, you're taking kids this uh, Friday to, where are you going to go? Where, where is that? I know, I, well, I heard. If you ever head out to Idaho, uh, Idaho. <laughs> Be back in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Indio. Um, if you go to Indio and you're coming down those first mountains into Indio, into Coachella, that's that's the town, and you see that mountain that's directly in front, at the top of that, that's Idlewild. Um, and so that's where we're going. Oh. There's snow. They moved it to March so we wouldn't have snow. And God said no. You go up the tram? What? You drive up the tram or? No. No, okay. There is a road. Oh, there's a road, okay. Okay, well, that'll be fun. And you're going to be going Friday night, and I'm, Gina wants me to pray for you and the kids. And I'll do that just a little bit. She was going to. I've never killed a teenager, but there's always, there's always a possibility. <laughs> okay, fellowship breakfast at uh, Mountain Quail this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Had a real big crowd there this last uh, Saturday, yesterday. Uh, Les and I were there. <laughs> and Carol and her daughter and granddaughter visited also. They sat with us at the table. Um, okay, that's that. And I got the genus. Uh, is that good enough? Okay, I'm going to pray here in a little bit. There's two other things that you got to remember. Of course, there's that thing. Y'all know what that is. If you want to talk to Pastor, um, if I could get it here. The Needhams. To be a week, uh, not this Sunday. Next Sunday, the Needhams will be here. I think I've heard them, but I'm not real sure. Um, they were here last year. I think, I've, uh, I think they're pretty good. So, the Foresters. There will be the week after that, Sunday night, uh, March 19th, 6 p.m. So put that on your calendar. Come on out and uh, be entertained with them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your love. Continue to bless each and every one of us with a close relationship with you, with the Lord. Father, just, and with one another. Father, draw us closer together. The word unity has great meaning for you. He wants us to be united in our worship. We got a good crowd here, Lord, and I thank you so much for that. It's all because of the Holy Spirit indwelling each and every one of us who are believers. Thank you, Father, for your grace, your mercy. 
and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 19 years ago this Mar or May, this May, um, I got married, and so in one year, a little over a year, she hasn't killed me yet, so I mean, <laughs> once we get there, we'll see, okay? Um, she, she always thinks it's a year later, you know, so um, we're like, oh, what are we going to do for our 20th anniversary? The reason why is because her family, when they, when her parents sell the whole big thing, so maybe something else. Uh, <laughs> And so, at the current rate, um, we are going to be uh, celebrating 20 years um, at McDonald's, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, or birthdays, or the uh, anniversaries, or uh, grandkids being born, or kids being born, or something. Right? You look forward to all these different things, um, and the reason why is because there's excitement. Maybe you're going on vacation, so there's a, some peace. Right, that you're going to have some time off to, um, in this. Hey, turn off your mic over there. I can hear you. Um, oh, <laughs> uh, you're breathing very heavy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but <laughs> we don't need to use the the mirror. Uh, but um, so, but you know, uh, the the elders have allowed me to take a sabbatical this this coming uh, spring, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but there's a, a lot that's going on. If you could be praying for the church, um, we have a very important meeting coming up April 2nd. Um, so if you want to know the future of the church, be a part of that, uh, April 2nd. Um, there, we actually have, we're going to be interviewing um, a potential candidate uh, for the pastor position um, that same weekend. Um, so we have someone coming in uh, to take over youth um, and, and all that. And so that's, something to look forward to. Um, we're praying that this is uh, where God is leading. Um, so there's a lot of things. If you have something that's coming up, right, it's like, oh, this is something. Sometimes you don't have, th you have things coming up. You're like, I don't want that. You just remind me. I have jury duty uh, the 14th. I have, to, I have to appear. I'm hoping that. You know, it's really hard. Like, just a side note, jury duty we have one time in here. Uh, there was a local thing, and it was, there was a murder case. I'm like, this, I, I want to be a part of this, right? So I go there. And I'm like, I know everyone in this room. <laughs> and so they call me up and they're like, is there, do you know anyone in this uh, that would be a part of this? I'm like, I know everyone. I know every single police officer. I know, I knew the victim. I knew the perpetrator. I know every single person in this room. Um, uh, now we're off. Um, but, but anyways, the idea of going and having something that's ahead, that event, that's what we're talking about today. All right. So we're finishing up a four-week series that has taken us like seven weeks to get through um, because I've been sick and then we have guest speakers and all this. Um, but we're talking about what drives the alliance, right? That we In the alliance, we have four pillars of what drives us. And we're not talking about from an alliance point of view, but what are these things within the Scripture? Where do we find these things? And so in the first week, we talked about Jesus as Savior. And, and we have... Um, a lady named Debbie, uh, she comes to the first service. She, she's the one that designs and makes all these little banners for us. And so this is what the four pillars are. Christ our Savior. And we talked about that in the first week of how Jesus, 
um, is our Savior. He is the only Savior. And the reason why He says Savior is because we are in sin. We are in corruption. And we see this from the beginning of Scripture in chapter 3 of Genesis all the way to the end, that God, He takes on the role as Savior, and He says, I am here to save. And it's the, the heart of God to bring people back to Himself. And so this is a huge thing within Scripture. It's one thing that people miss is, you know, I've talked to several people, and they're like, oh, that Old Testament God. You know, he's just judge, jury, executioner. That's all he is. But no, he is a loving God that wants his people. He has to deal. The problem is, is he has to deal with sin. You know, if you're a parent and your kid messes up, when you start off the day, did you go, you know what would be nice today? My kid getting in trouble. Like, that's that's what I would like today, right? No, you want to go through your whole day. Yeah. And if they don't... um, (laughs) But no, there are times, there have been times where with our kids, like we had a plan like for the day, we were looking forward to doing certain things, but then the great things for you, right? He gives these promises. He wants to lift us up on eagle's wings. He wants to do great things in our lives. But when we continue in sin, he's, he can't do that, right? And so he wants to save us. And so we seek of approval is the resurrection. That because of the resurrection, you know the cross is a gift, like a birthday gift, but it is an eternal gift that we get to broken sin's death grip on us and has given us eternal life if we accept it. So, in week two, he saved us to holiness. That he created us to be his people to, to follow him in it. Distracted very easy. I'm sorry. Um, where were we? Oh, we're at sanctification. Okay. So Jesus, so through the whole scripture, God is calling his people to holiness. Why? Because he created us to be holy. Right? He created us to be in that position, a perfect position. And when we sin, now we are unholy. But his desire is to get us back. And so in Genesis 1-2, we see his perfect creation. And then he works his salvation work, his saving work, through the next, what is that, 66 books, Right? Through the 66 books, in the last two chapters, we see the restoration of the first two chapters. That we are back in right relationship with Him. We are back in the new creation, and we are back in holiness. And so now, though, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, He's moving us into that direction our whole lives. And so that process is called sanctification, or to be made whole. Sometimes it's leaps, but He wants to move us by the power of the Holy Spirit to bring us closer and closer to the way he already sees us through Jesus. All right, so that was week two, icing on the cake type stuff. This is Jesus' his saving work brings us healing into eternity. That's the greatest thing. So if we had nothing else but that, we have everything. Yet God still is interested about like physical illnesses, emotional illness, his will, right? And we talked about that, that, the reason for healing is to bring glory to God. And so sometimes he heals us for his glory. Sometimes he doesn't heal us. And it's all for his glory. But he says, come to me, right? Jesus says, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, right? And I will give you rest. This God invites us into this and he gives us a prescription, not a formula, right? A formula would say, if you do this, if then. But a prescription says, I want you to invite you into this, which is being prayed for by the elders as one thing and so we invite people if you want to you just raise your hand we will pray for you right and we will anoint you with oil 
And so, but God is concerned, and so therefore Jesus is healer. So Jesus is Savior, He's sanctifier, He's healer, and now we're talking about the King. Alright? So, starting off in Genesis. Genesis 1-1-2-3. to You get the creation story, the creation account. And what's crazy here is, okay, so when we open up and we go Genesis 1, alright? And... Be good if it doesn't close. And we go. Oh my goodness! You know it's really hard to get to the first page. Oh come on! It was easy to get to page forty-seven. When we get this opening line, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, this is huge. Like this opening sentence is understanding that the gods were a part of the creation. And what they would do is they would use it kind of like an architect. They would take the creation building blocks and, and make new things. Sometimes they did this on purpose and sometimes by accident. Sometimes humans are on purpose. Sometimes they're on accident. But the gods are using this eternal world to bring about things. But what we see in the Scriptures is something completely different. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And through that, we learn a lot. We learn things that He creates time, the day and the night. He creates matter, the heavens and the earth. Right? He creates space. So He creates all these different things that every other religious group, philosophical belief, says and tells. He says he's trying to work out, he wants to prove mathematically that the the universe is not eternal. And so he tweaks the math to make it say the universe is radiation. And he says that there is a beginning. And this is where we get it. No, the universe had a beginning. And you know what Einstein's response was? Even up to 100 years ago, philosophy, religions, the scientific world all said the universe was eternal. But now we know that the universe had a beginning. What does the Word of God say? It had a beginning. God created it and in the beginning. That, and so there's this huge thing, right? So now we move forward in Genesis, and God starts creating these things. He creates the space, the time. Right? He creates the matter. And as we're seeing this, he's the animals, there's the plants, there's all these things that are feeling the creation, God's dominion. And then we get this, man, it's happening all over here. What's going on over here? You guys having fun or what? No, I'm just kidding. You guys are fine. Um, so, but God is feeling all this. And then the final thing that he puts in there is his image bearer. The one he says, now I want you to take care of it. God's the king, but he, he creates these beings to carry out his will. They're his ambassadors to his new creation. And so he sets this whole thing up. This is all kingdom language that he sets up. And so we see a kingdom happening. And then through this, we start seeing Israel to become his people. He tells them this in Exodus. So in Exodus... God is king. And so in this first um, verse, Exodus 6, God is talking to Moses, and this is what he says. I will take you to be my people, 
It says, And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you any things about that word, is divine ruler. He's saying, you're mine now, and I'm going to rule you. Throughout the rest of the Bible, we see his people start recognizing this. And so, he says, the Lord is king forever and ever. The nation perishes, or perish from his land. Okay? In Psalm 24, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. In, ver- in chapter 47, it says, For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. And so the psalmist recognizes God is King. And then we have this great moment in Isaiah where Isaiah is he sees this vision. He's, he's called up to the throne room of God. And he sees all these things. He sees angels and he just sees the holiness of him lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. He recognizes when he meets God, I'm a sinner. And he's like, and everyone I know is a sinner. He recognizes, and this is like, in a moment I was thinking about this this morning. And I, most of you know I play a lot of baseball. Several years back, we were at a game. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was uh, one of the um, spring training games. And we're sitting there, and we're on the third baseline, and we're watching them warm up. All right, so they're just throwing back and forth, playing catch. And there's these two guys. One's on the third baseline. His his, uh, partner is in the middle, and they're just tossing the ball. I mean, literally like this. Like they start about, I don't know, 20, 25 feet away, and they're just nice and easy, right? And as they're going, I'm watching this. The guy's moving further and further back. And same motion. Nice and easy. Nice and easy. By the time they're done, the other guy is on the opposite foul line. It's the same motion. And I'm thinking, this is why I didn't make it to the big leagues. Like, when you recognize the disparagement between your ability and someone else's, it's huge. That's what we see with Isaiah. He sees the disparagement between him, a sinner, and God who is holy. And so, the next thing out of his words, he says this. He recognizes sin and he goes, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He recognizes just how, how great the King is. And so, later on in, in um, Isaiah... This is what they're of Israel, your king. And so this recognition that this is who God is. That he is the creator. He is the sustainer. And then in Jeremiah, at his wrath, the earthquakes and the nations cannot endure his indignation. That Jeremiah is going, this is not someone to be messed with. Of who God is, that he is above and amazing. And you would think you would want to follow him. But Israel says no. And so when the judges, there's a whole thing of judges. We're actually going to go through the book of Judges this summer. But at the end, the last judge is Samuel. And Samuel's coming to the end of his life. And the people recognize this. And they, this is what they say in, Samuel, in 1 Samuel 8. They come to him. It says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old 
and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. See, Samuel was what Adam was, the re- God's ambassador. Samuel was what Abraham was. Samuel was Moses. They took that role. And now the people are saying, you know what? No, we don't want this relationship anymore. We want a real king. Give us the real king. And so the, God agrees. He says, fine. And you know who they pick? Saul. Good-looking guy, tall, strong, everything you would want in a king. You know? And he was horrible. He messed up. And then you get David. Good-looking guy, fierce as a lion, and a mess-up. I mean, this guy puts any of our presidents to shame when it comes to scandals. That we know of. It's true. It's a good word, sister. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, he did everything. He killed people. He, man, this is a politician. No, uh, he killed people. He, um, you know, slept around. He uh, destroyed his own family. I mean, just one thing after another. Yet he, God calls him a man after his own heart. Why? Because he kept going for God. But still, every king, though there were some shining lights there, it all led to the people being destroyed. It led to civil war. It led to the whole nation being destroyed. It led to horrible events. Why? Because God was no longer king. They said no. They did the same thing that Adam did. They said no. We go, Adam chose the, um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He was saying, I want my own kingdom. And what are the Israelites saying? We want our own kingdom. We want our own way. It's the same thing. God's supposed to be king. And here's Adam saying no. His, here's Israel saying no. And so what does God do? He says, okay, but there will be a time when I will be king. And so we start seeing prophecies like the one in Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 7, we start seeing these prophecies, these things of restoration of the king to his rightful place. And so in Daniel 7, we get this, this, um, this vision. And Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the, cloud, oops, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so Daniel sees this thing. He sees God in his glory, and he says, but wait, there's someone else. There's this one like the Son of Man. And that guy's getting the kingdom. A whole lot of other prophecy. And so we start seeing these little gems like that. And another one is Zechariah. There's some, Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous. There's tons of other of these. And so when we fast forward to Jesus, what should we see? We should see king stuff. Right? And they're looking for. And what they say is, Where is he who has been born king? of the Jews. They're like the purpose is we're trying to find someone who was born that his destiny is kingship. And they say for we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That starts preaching, he starts going out. 
and he meets this one guy and he's talking to him and the guy leaves and he goes gets his brother and the brother and him have this interaction and he's like hey i just found the messiah he's from galilee he's from nazareth and the guy goes does anything good come out of nazareth very disdaining and he says yeah but come on just come see and so he comes, his name's Nathaniel, he comes, meets Jesus, Jesus is talking to him, and this is Nathaniel's response um, in John 1, 149. Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. He has this interaction with him, and the greatest thing, Nathaniel, we don't know a lot about Nathaniel, we did a whole little series, uh, a whole little sermon on Nathaniel. There's not that we know a lot about Nathaniel, but he has one of the greatest lines in Scripture. You are the Son of God, and you are the King of Israel. He recognizes this is the man. This is the one. And so it's huge. And so we start seeing these these things within Jesus' life. At the end, when he's coming to Jerusalem, he purposely tells his disciples, go get me a donkey and a colt. He says, I'm fulfilling. This is one of those times that Jesus is very purposeful. This is what it says. This is the response. The people paraphrased on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a beast, the burden. You know, it's really a humble moment, right? It's more than that. See, in the ancient world, the gods, the kings, the god kings, they would come in on animals. They would ride the animals. So if you you look at a lot of these historical archaeological stuff you'll see these gods on these animals but you know how many animals two so jesus is saying that's that's the prophecy right it's not just one animal it's two and so he he says i want both of them why because people need to understand i'm the god king who's coming in it's a huge moment that we can easily miss because we don't know the near eastern stuff but this is what Zachariah was talking about. This is what Matthew's talking about. This is why Jesus did the things he did. So we would understand that he's not just another king, but he is the God king. So he's speaking of his own divineness in this whole thing. It's it's a crazy thing. And so, but what does that God king do? He allows his creation to shackle him. Why? Because sin needs to be dealt with. God is Savior. It's the biggest thing in the Bible. God is Savior. And so what's, he, what's the God King doing? He's allowing His creation to murder Him. He's giving Himself as a sacrifice. And so He has trials. And so the first trial, the, the priest says, you know, they do this whole trial, and the priest says just directly, are you the Messiah? Right? Just direct. Meaning, yes. Okay? Huge. Because as soon as Jesus says this, it says the priest tore his garment and yells blasphemy. Because the priest understood what Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying, you know that Daniel vision? That's me. And the priest goes, that's blasphemy. You are the one here for the eternal kingdom? You're the one that is standing... In the, with the Ancient of Days, that's blasphemy. But it's who Jesus is. He is the God King come down. And so you get that, and then they, they're they so angry with this that they don't want to just kill Him, because they could have. They did it to Stephen. 
Just a few months later, they do it to Stephen. They do it to James. They, they have no problem killing. But what they wanted was, we want something so horrible to be, befall this guy. And what's the worst thing they could think of? The cross. We want this guy to be crucified because it was only robbers and rebels and thieves get on that cross. And we want to make sure that this guy gets drugged through the mud. And so they take him to, to Pilate, to the governor. And he starts interviewing him. He's asking him, are you... They're saying that you say that you're a king. Are you the king? And so we get this moment in Matthew 27. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? The response? Jesus said, You have said so. Meaning, yes. He agrees, so he says, I am. This is who I am. And so what does Pilate do? Uh, it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. Right? Kind, this is kind of mocking them. But in a sense, this is who Jesus says he is. Right? Behold a thief, a rebel. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Right? The chief priest answered, We have no king. Now let's just stop right there. We have no king. Adam had no king. Israel had no king. Again, Israel, we have no king. And the next words are really important. But Caesar. This is really important because earlier in, in history, right, in the first century BC, you have Julius Caesar. You guys have all heard of him? That's where we get the salad, right? Okay. So, Julius Caesar, he. He comes, he first real true emperor of Rome, right? Sets the, the Roman emperors up, okay? When he dies, his nephew takes over. Through a lot of stuff, his nephew um, Augustus takes over. And the, a star seems to appear. So the, the story goes that a star appears in the heavens. Comet, whatever it is. And Augustus tells the people, the gods have made Caesar Julius a god and from then on this thing starts happening caesars are starting to be looked at as gods later on when when paul writes that you need to confess that jesus is they say something like this we have no king but caesar they're saying we have no god but man isn't that what we do we have, I want to give up the king for something I can control. My own kingdom. And so they, they reject him. They say, so he, Pilate, delivered him over to them, the soldiers, to be crucified. And the Gentiles all give up on the king. They all did what Adam did. They all did what Israel did. They're giving up the king and his divine rule. This is huge stuff. But the king doesn't die. I mean, he dies. But then he is raised. And it's huge. And so he proves it. He proves that the sacrifice was a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. That means if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you can have eternal life. The resurrection, that's what it proves. The resurrection is the most important thing within the Christian faith. Um, 
Paul talks about how if you, 1 Corinthians 15, if you can disprove the resurrection, you disprove the Christian faith. There have been people that have tried and tried for centuries and still haven't done. Two that are notable in the modern world is Lee Strobel, an atheist that wanted to disprove his wife's religion. And he goes through this whole thing. He's a journalist, could not disprove it, becomes a Christian, writes the case for faith, the case for Christ, all these different cases. Okay, another guy, his name is J. Warner Wallace. He is, was a, um, a detective in L.A. County, and he was the cold case closer. People from all over the country would ask, hey, can you look at these cold cases? Because he had such a high rate. I think it was 100%. He would um, open these cold cases again and close them. The Christian challenged him, use your abilities to prove or disprove the resurrection. And so he did. In, his, one of, in one of his books, he said something along the lines of, the resurrection has the most evidence than any other cold case I've ever event. So it can be proved or disproven. And because it's real, because and so, but there's a promise. The king's not done. You get this moment where Jesus returns to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come upon the church, so the church can do the work of the gospel. And this is what happens. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up for you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That's a promise of the return of the king. It's a huge thing. So what do we start seeing in the Scriptures? The promise that the King will return. So at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 6, we get this from Paul. He's talking to Timothy, his protege. He says, I charge you, Timothy, you in the presence of, um, in the presence of God who gives, all, sorry, gives life to all things in Christ Jesus, who in His testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And it says, Timothy, keep working because Jesus is coming. And I love this. In the book of Revelation, John has these visions. He has a vision of that day. Listen to this. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. No one, uh, the, sorry, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diatoms or crowns, and he has a name written that which no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a rope, dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If that doesn't give you a little shiver... Because this is not 
your typical picture of Jesus with the lamb, with the, the feminine, and he's just like, oh, let's fix some of the details. He has a robe dipped in blood. He's going to tread out the winepress of the wrath of God. I don't know that John's like, I have to describe this? It's with this. Um, he's talking, he, he quotes Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, surely, Jesus. And then he switches. Talking, he, he's focusing on Christ and what Christ has said, saying, yes, come. And that's huge stuff because when we talk about the coming of Jesus, it's supposed to be a great day, right? For the believer, it's, it's pure joy. It's the day when, when real peace happens. You know, we, we experience things here, right? We experience peace. We experience love. We experience happiness. Those are just shadows of what's to come. On that day when Jesus returns, real peace happens. Real, yeah, real, er, everything that was, that we think we experience, and we're like, ah, I like that. Christ returns so much better. But if we read Revelation, we see who Jesus is when He's coming, it's not going to be a day that is very hopeful for some people. It's going to be a day of agonizing pain. Dipped in blood. The wrath of the winepress. I mean, think about that language. And so, in First Peter, First Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but he but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repair, repentance. This is God's desire. He wants as many people to be with Him in eternity as possible. So why is He pushing it off? It's because He wants people. He wants His people to get on the road and start doing His work. But He wants people. When we talked about... Um, Jesus our Savior, we quote this verse that says, God takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. God deeply loves His people. And I don't just mean His people that have been saved, but His, his creation. He deeply loves His creation. Every single person He deeply loves. But not all people will be saved. And and this is... Yeah, it's, it's truth and it should... It should break our hearts because it breaks the heart of God. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy. This is one of the first things he tells to Timothy to his protege, right? He's preparing Timothy to take over at this um, at Ephesus. And this is one of the first things he says to him. This is good. He's talking about the Word. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. God desires salvation. But there will come a day when salvation is no longer available. But that day is not yet. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Because there are people who I know that need to hear the gospel. There are people you know that need to hear the gospel. Because on that day, when Jesus returns, if they haven't heard or accepted the gospel, they are going away. If you've accepted Jesus in chapters of Revelation, we, we know that God recreates this universe. Talking to a teenage galaxies with God. We don't understand and we don't know what that looks like into eternity. But what about that person that God has brought into our lives? Or they were.
In, there's this verse in Matthew 24, 14. Um, so we have this slogan in the Alliance, bring back the king. Don't hang around in places where it's saturated with, uh, with Christians. All the world would hear the God down and just saying, oh, when it comes, I want to be a part of what brings them back. I want to be a part of the gospel work. And we're all, if we believe in Jesus, we should be right there saying, I want to be a part of that. I want Jesus back, but I want people to know so that when I walk into eternity, Craig or Fred or John or Tony or whoever, they're coming with me. I want that. I want to do what God has called me to. The thing that Jesus does, we see two commissions. Matthew 28, go therefore. And Acts 1, you will be my witness. That's our job. If we're not doing that, are we loving our King? No, we're choosing our own path. We're saying, thank you for the saving. I kind of want to work my own way now. But if He is King, that means He dictates everything over us. And He has given us a command. We are in the army of Christ. We've got to go do it. We don't get to question the, the general. And so, my challenge this week is twofold. One, if you're not a believer, you need to wrestle with this. This is the most important question ever. Is Jesus true? It all comes down to the resurrection. But it's the most important thing because if Jesus is true, then that means He created the universe. That means He is God over all. That means we have sinned and fallen short. That means we are on a destiny of hell. That means that He loved us so much He came and sacrificed Himself so that we may be saved. That means if we put our trust in Him, we can be saved. That means He's coming back. That means we're going into eternity. And there's only two eternal destinations. Heaven or hell. And He has given a call on every one of His people's lives to share the Gospel. And so, if you're a non-believer, this is the most important thing. If He's true, everything matters. If He's not true, the Bible says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. There's no point. And so this is the, the watershed. Jesus is the watershed. Either we follow Him or we don't. Either there's eternity or there's not. And so it's a huge thing. Huge thing to wrestle with. Do not let it slip by. One of the things I was talking to someone this yesterday... We were talking about quartzite and the uniqueness of quartzite. And there's a curse of quartzite. You come to quartzite, and usually you come either to die or you watch other people die. I've been here for 15 years. In one year, I did 10 funerals or memorials. I want to put that in perspective for you. Um, I, ha I was doing, this is one year, really bad year, just people, I mean, eight Memorials or funerals at this point in the season. And when I mean season, I mean October to April. So within, what is that, six months or something like that? I'm at eight. Two young people died. I'm doing at that moment. 
I come, it's being held over in Wickenburg. The family's from Quartzsite, but they move. So I go to Wickenburg, and I'm there, and the pastor, it's an Alliance church, the pastor comes to me, I know the pastor, he's been there 10 years. He goes, have you ever done one of these? Talking about a funeral. I go, this is my eighth, this season. He goes, wow, I've only done two in the 10 years I've been here. Quartzsite puts eternity into perspective. And so, believer, put eternity into perspective. We don't know when someone will pass away. We had, uh, there was a, a gentleman a couple of years ago, phenomenal man, helped us on the rummage cell. Okay? Was out there, did a lot of the rummage cell, left for the season, never came back. He died a couple months later. Believer, so I rejoice. But there are people constantly. And I go, did someone speak to them about Jesus? Believer, put eternity into perspective. If you say, if you agree with John, come Lord Jesus, then you need to agree, I want to share the gospel. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I want Jesus to come back. And you know what? Everyone else can go to hell. Don't do that. By not sharing the gospel, you might as well say that. We need to be about God's business. Can I emphasize this anymore? We need to be about the gospel business. And so, believer, this week, go to God. How can I be used? Who needs to hear it? Whether my word or my deed or whatever you would have me do, do it. Don't leave it for tomorrow. Because you know what? You might not have tomorrow. None of us. There are simple things. When you go out to, out to um, lunch, I know we're going a little late. Once you get out there and you're talking to that waitress or that waiter or that busboy or that receptionist, how can I pray for you? Thank you for what you're doing. You know, Jesus loves you. Strike up some sort of conversation. Ask them about who they are, what's going on in their lives. They need to hear the gospel. And they might say, you know, I've heard it before. Yeah, but you haven't heard it from me. So give it one more try. Let me say it to you. Because you know what? It's not just for you. My King has called me to this work. That's every one of us. You don't need a bachelor or a master's or a doctorate in theology to say, Jesus loves you. He died for you. And I want you to know that. It doesn't take a lot. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are great and You are glorious and we thank You for all that You do for us. It's more than we can imagine. Those things You do behind the scenes that we, we don't even know, we take for granted. Maybe in eternity You'll show us just how much You have moved in our lives. But Lord, I know at the very least You have moved that person that shared the gospel with us, that we might believe. Lord, I pray for Your people that they would be ravenous when it comes to sharing the gospel. That make their hearts break. Make my heart break for the people around me that I would not allow myself to get in the way. 
but I care more for you than anything else and that your gospel would be shared. Lord, if there's someone in here right now that doesn't know you, wrestle with them. Don't let them leave here without starting that battle of understanding that you are the true and living God. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you. That you would bring them into your, into your life. And so Lord, just thank you because you're good. And we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to go into a time of communion, so if I could have the guys come on up. go around and we're holding the, the bread so I was talking to the first service um, you know when we're reading through Genesis right we get to the eternal life and that is I'm gonna God is my king I'm going to follow his decree the choice is then the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the choice of I will pursue the knowledge on my own I will make myself a king of my own realm. That's the choice. And so when humanity chooses their own way, God says, I will be Savior. He steps up into that, that role. And that's a huge thing because you know what He does then? He kicks them out of the garden. He says, I don't want you to have the eternal life. You know why? Because you'll have eternal life and sin always. You'll have death always at that point. And so you have this, and you know what God does then? He takes an animal and he kills it and makes clothes for the people. You know what that means? A body has to be broken to deal with sin. Because a body has to be broken. You have a setup for Jesus. God's saying, I'm already, he allows his creation to break it. Why? Because that sacrifice is what we need. So let's go before God.
Lord, we, we praise you for the broken body of Jesus. You covered our, uh, Adam and Eve's sin by that, by that animal. You cover our sins by the broken body on the cross. Lord, we just praise you that you would even do such a thing. That you loved us so much, even while we were sinners, to do that. Not because we're good, not because we deserve it, not because we earned it, because you are Savior. And so, Lord, we just praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's take. start reading through the scriptures and God institutes not just the the sacrifice of animals but it's more than that we see this in the you are going to do all this why so you understand the covering the fact that people had to bring their animals and then put their hands on their heads as the priest slices the neck why because the realization your sin has caused something to die as something to bled for you. So when we see Jesus and He comes and He bleeds, oh, where at? Oh, that's right. We had it this morning. So we have that, and we have that understanding. Then I cause that thing to bleed. I cause God to leave us to bring us back to Himself. So when we're holding that cup, that represents all that love poured out to cover our sins. How great is our God. No other religion, no other God, no philosophical system or natural explanation matches the God who created us, 
who wraps himself in our flesh, dies for us, raises again, says, come with me. How great is our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the spilt blood of Jesus on that cross that covers our sin. Lord, you washed us clean. (coughs) Jesus, you did it. Praise you that you do all things. And we get the And before last week, and she's going through some health issues, but she asked if she could be anointed. Would you join us in prayer for Shirley? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Shirley. Lord, her her passion and the gifts that you've given her in poetry, we just praise you for them. And so, Lord, we just ask as she's going into this, um, into these uh, treatments, Lord, that she wouldn't need them. That's that's my desire. So, Lord, I pray that your will be done in it. Lord, that she would not, as she goes into these treatments, and the doctor says, "Why are you so healthy? Get out of here." The Lord, if if you if your will is that she would have to walk this path, that she would be a, a light, and that she'd be salt to the the nurses and the doctors ahead of her, that she could continually point to, and, they, and if they puff up their chest, she goes, no, 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 I have a King Jesus that does so much more than you could ever do, and you're just being used right now. And so, Lord, may she point people back to yourself, the Lord, that you would move mightily in her body and that you be honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to receive an offering right now. If I could have the guys that are doing that to come on up. So if you're new to the alliance, but we hope that you'll get to know us and be a part of the ministry here. Um, that's why we're having a meeting. And uh, right now, teens are going through a lot of issues, more so than anything. Um, I just read a report from Yuma, shared with you a couple weeks ago that they were adding fentanyl to, um, to, to yeah, marijuana. Well, now they're adding another drug to fentanyl. Um, to This is what's going on in our, in our youth population of our world. Because they're be praying for them. All right? And if you want to know more, if you're not a part of our newsletter for the summertime, please write out, fill out that card. Put it in the, the offering thing or in the box back there. So you, we don't ask for money, but we want your prayers. And so we tell you, this is what's going on. This is where God's leading us. This is some desk for the whole summer. And I pray for each person that sends in a prayer request. I don't always respond because i got things going on, but I, I pray for you guys. Every time I sit at my desk, first thing I do, I pray through all the cards I get back. I just pray for you. So I'm praying for you. I want you to be praying for us. All right? So let's let's receive the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you're doing here in Quartzsite. Lord, we praise you for the work that you're doing in the Southern Baptist, in the First Baptist, in the Assemblies, in Isaiah, um, in um, Community, and all the other smaller churches that pop up just during the wintertime. Lord, we praise you for the work you're doing. We want that work to continue because it's not the alliance work. It's the kingdom work. It's your work. And so, Lord, we praise you that we get to be a part of it, that we get to be that, that arrow that's in your quiver being sharpened and used. Lord, we just praise you because we get to be a part of the greater gospel work. And so, Lord, use us. Don't allow us to get out step with your spirit, but that we are in lockstep with you. And if we ever do, 
discipline us, Lord. We need you to be king, and we don't need a bunch of kings. Right? So, Lord, we thank you for all that you do, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. When peace like a river Can you pause? What? Can you pause? Yeah, it is a praise. Yeah. Thank you, praise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. When peace like a river attended my way And sorrows like sea billows roll my right hand over here. She's my left hand. This is Jody. I traveled alone along this lonesome way my birthday not knowing that he had on this and me for each tomorrow for every heart I know that I can depend upon my newfound friend, and so to the end, it's Jesus and me. The road may be long, sometimes it is through heaven's early gate. I know that it's narrow, and I know that it's straight. But Jesus is there through eternity. We'll travel along, just Jesus and me. Now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow, for every heartache and every sorrow. I know that I can depend. You know what's so good about that song? Because it talks about how we are nothing without Jesus and that he makes us our friend and he walks with us. The king of kings is your friend and he walks with us. God bless you. Walk with your friend this week. The king of kings.